Can you think of a time in your life when the unexpected happened twice? Do you believe in signs? And what do you do when you think it's a sign? Do you continue forward or do you consider a hard pivot? The young man I have on the show today has impressed me since the first moment we met. People say discipline wins. Darian Harris is the epitome of that statement. After experiencing the exact same hamstring injury, almost perfectly, 365 days apart, on the exact same drill while playing professional football, Darian was faced with the tough choice of do I continue down my path of playing in the NFL or is it time for a pivot? Darian made the right choice. And since then, he's been serving as a steward and captain to mentoring, developing, and shepherding the young men that play at Michigan State football. He's here to share his mindset and approach to help you pave new paths in life. Welcome to At The Podium. Hello again, and welcome to At The Podium. I am Manuel Mesqua. I'm a financial advocate to my clients. CEO of our firm, husband, father, and a massive sports fan. I'm obsessed with encouraging people to dream and attack the unique vision they have for their life. And I love, love doing that by sharing the inspiring stories and life lessons of some of the highest performers I know. Today, I'm excited to welcome Darian Harris to the show. Darian's become a good friend since I moved to the state of Michigan. Let me tell you a little bit about his backstory. Coming out of high school, Silver Spring, Maryland, Darian was ranked in the top 50 linebackers in the country by multiple ratings organizations, rankings organizations. He committed to Michigan State where he became a captain, Rose Bowl champion, Cotton Bowl champion, Big Ten champion and helped MSU earn a spot in college football playoffs. His college success led to a couple of years of football at the professional level. And after that, he decided to rejoin his alma mater and head up what they're doing around player development and engagement to advance not just Michigan State football, but advance these young men into servant leaders in the real world. He's launched one of the most incredible six-week programs for entrepreneurship in partnership with the Burgess Institute, and today he wears way more hats than I ever could. I'm delighted to have Darian here to share his story and several of his life lessons. Darian is easily one of the most impressive young men I've met with today. Folks, coming to you with another incredible conversation today, I'm sitting at Michigan State football's linebacker meeting room, sitting with one of the all-time best linebackers coming out of the program. Darian Harris is the Director of Player Relations and Program Advancement for the Michigan State football program, captain of the 2015 team, played linebacker, Big Ten champ, Rose Bowl champ, Cotton Bowl champ, has an experience playing professional football, and then says, hey, if I'm going to hang up the pads, I'm coming back to pour into the young men that'll play in the league in the future. Darian, I'm so excited to be together with you today. Oh, I'm excited to be on here. Incredible opportunity. Thanks for having me. 
Appreciate you. So actually, the most important thing that I did not point out is obviously your beautiful wife, Olivia and Naomi. Yeah. (laughs) Every time we see Naomi, I'm like, she like literally belongs in commercials or magazines. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Just being a father is, the, as you know, it's the most important job you can ever have, raising a family. But just to be able to do it here in this area, to have my daughter born in Lansing, a place that, you know, I never saw myself raising a family here growing up. But Michigan State has become such a big part of myself, my family, that it just, it, it feels right. So now to raise a young Spartan, because of course she has no <laughs> option but to go to Michigan State, it's just, it's incredible. And just to see her grow, to take her around to different events, volleyball game, gymnastics specifically, just to have women's basketball. I know you were with uh, Coach Merchant also, and every time she sees Coach Merchant, just for her to be able to see these incredible women in in their field, to be able to be around them, and of course with her mother Olivia and and the cheerleading and, and dance team as well. It's just, it's awesome. It's tremendous. Yeah, I love that you immediately opened up with the significance of being a father. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's no doubt in just how I've gotten to know you and everyone that knows you and is close to you. I mean, they they sing your praise about the man you are, the leader that you are, the servant leader that you are. And it's no surprise that what you're doing with the program is something that you hold even higher regard what you're doing as Naomi's father. I love the fact that you opened up with that. Take us back to your childhood and talk about pre-football. I mean, what are some of the memories that you have from your early, early, early childhood and some of the things that were most impressionable to you at that time in your life? Yeah, I mean, I had incredible examples in both my parents. My mom and dad raised me to be a leader, to be of service to others, to give back, and to one day raise my family in a certain manner, in a certain way, by the book, by the Bible. You know, I was raised in a church as well, and it's incredibly, you know, my faith is incredibly important to me as well. So, I was blessed and fortunate in that way. And I know that that's not always the case for everybody. So I don't take it for granted at all. But the biggest thing that my parents taught me, and and especially, you know, when I'm thinking of my dad, is he didn't force me into football. He played ball growing up. He played at Virginia Tech. He was part of his life. But for myself and my younger brother, he was very, very instrumental in, in saying, you carve out your own path. Football was what worked for me. It propelled me to heights and to a successful life, but it doesn't have to be your path. So just that alone, not being forced into the game, you know, Mm -hmm. I found it, you know, I love for it on my own was incredibly important to me. But the core values that I learned from both my parents on not being lazy, making sure to surround myself with people that are smarter than me, that are doing bigger things than I am at the time so I can learn from them, just watching my surroundings how I carry and conduct myself. All those things were key for me growing up, even at a such an early age. And now I'm able to kind of pass down those values, of course, to my players. But ultimately, when my daughter learns what English is and how to mm-hmm. talk, she'll be hearing those lessons as well. So you grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland. Yep. And uh, I did find that extremely interesting. I mean, your father did play at Virginia Tech, had a good career. What position did he play? Uh, so he played safety, strong safety. Yeah. And... What do you think it was about his time at Virginia Tech and playing for a, another great football program that he really found as a meaningful part of what helped him transition into his life after the sport and into business? Yeah, I mean, football is the ultimate team sport, and it's the ultimate sport with life lessons. So for him growing up in difficult times and difficult parts of Richmond, Virginia, not having a lot growing up, being raised by my grandmother, his mom, my great aunt. And his grandmother, my great grandmother, who's since passed since since 2015, just hearing the stories of his childhood, him growing up, not having indoor plumbing, I don't believe until he was 12 years old, you know, things like that. 
it's humbling hearing those things. But his goal was to make sure that his family was going to be taken care of. So once he got an opportunity to earn a scholarship to go to Virginia Tech, his focus was graduating, getting that degree, and then what was going to propel himself to the next chapter of life, you know, whether it be professional football or not. And he was not going to allow not being able to be a professional athlete to deter him from still having a successful career. So he's built an unbelievable business around personal training and been able to take that to heights that only a few have. So it's been awesome to see him grow that and continue to grow that with an energy that I, I feel is unmatched. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that because I was going to bring it up if you didn't. You know, I'm chuckling. I, I wake up bright and early this morning and I wake up to a text from Ben Newman and he probably had already worked out his oh, no 1300 <laughs> workout in a row. And I thought about how I was going to see you today. And I was like, boy, I should get in my 300 pushups this yeah. morning <laughs> just so I can fill the space a little bit with Darian Harris. But, you know, his father's had incredibly successful business. No surprise. You take your health as your wealth. Absolutely. And I've seen that about you since the first day that we met. Talk about when that really first became one of your core values as a young man. And I think about it in the relationship to the fact that you're coming out of high school, you were ranked one of the top 40 linebackers by a lot of the different ranking organizations across the country coming out of high school. Yeah, no doubt. So I started really getting into weightlifting and and lifting and, and that exercise fitness when I was 12. Just of course, being around my dad, I mean, growing up, when he went to the gym to train, I would go with him and I would get shunned to daycare or something like that. But I <laughs> felt like I grew up in the gym from a very early age. So as soon as he felt like I was of age to actually start lifting weights, we started just in the basement. And then it went to going with him to work out with his clients. And his big thing was no matter what, especially when you get to Michigan State, especially when you get to that level, you may not be ready to play right away. You know, it's just being real. But yes. you will be the most in shape player on the team from day one. That was the goal. Be in the most in condition and most in shape because that's what you can control. You can't control learning the playbook overnight. You can't control maybe not being at the size to excel in the Big Ten as a, as a true freshman. But in terms of being in shape, putting the work in and setting the standard in the weight room, you can do that from day one. So that was always a goal of mine to be able to do that. And just working out, being in the weight room, it's always been important to me. It's always been, again, like I said, a core value of mine. I was able to run the Ironman Strength and Conditioning Award my senior year. Wow. Um, you know, I think the NFL ranked me as like the fifth strongest player in college football during my time here. I mean, those things were important to me, and I still take it to heart now. But it's still important to me now, and it's because I I see what my dad does. I mean, yes. you know, this past Saturday we won the game, uh, and he <laughs> calls me right after, and he was like, hey, y'all had me so fired up, I jumped on the Peloton for another 45 minutes. I'm like, this dude has just turned 60 <laughs> And you, you would think he's like 25 years old. It's unbelievable, his work ethic. But I try to follow that and match it as best I can. <laughs> that. And what a game this weekend. We're going to no. get to that later on in the conversation. But So coming out of high school then, walk us back, if you can recall, when was the moment or what were the series of events that took place that led you to Michigan State coming out of Maryland? Yeah, so I remember getting recruited by Coach Ted Gill. He was a defensive line coach oh. at the time. He was the the recruiting area coordinator for that East Coast. You know, yeah. he has ties there. And uh, I remember him coming to our winter workouts in the gym and offering me a scholarship. And, you know, at the time, when you're that age, you know, and we, we deal with it now with the players we're recruiting, every new offer you get, you think you're going there. It's like automatic. <laughs> hey, I got a new offer. I'm going there. And again, fortunately, I had parents that said, you know, slow down, take your time. You still got to go through the process. And I had about 15 to, to 20 offers to choose from and decided Michigan State was a place I'd want to take a visit. So took an unofficial visit and fell in love with the place, the people, the culture. 
I know Benny Fowler, who who obviously yes. we work with very closely. I mean, he's one of the first people I ever met here at Michigan State. And so it'd be no surprise for me to say that meeting people like that oh. is, is, I mean, that sells you right there. You know, you're in. Um, yeah. But once I came back from that visit and said, once again, this is where I want to go to school, my parents actually took a visit on their own. I'm, that's a rare thing to do. But they came out here on their own and said, okay, let us actually do the due diligence piece of it. Yes. Um, and they came back and with kind of the same sentiment, like, okay, this is a place we would see yourself you going to. Ultimately, it's your decision, but let's take a little bit more time. And I was considering some other schools at the time. And we went on a family vacation to Puerto Rico actually that summer. And my dad said, hey, here's the date. You're going to go out, walk on the beach, nice, you know, sentimental moment and all that. And you're going to call the coach of the school you want to go to. So I ended up calling Coach D'Antonio on the beach I in Puerto Rico that. and committed. And uh, that was right before my senior year, right after my junior year. And the rest is history. <laughs> I love that story. I mean, there's so much intentionality and purpose in how your dad helped to create that moment in your life. No doubt. How special. And I'll tell you, that story kind of makes me think of Coach D'Antonio. Yeah. Because I think of all the stories that guys like you and Benny and even guys like Greg Jones or others have shared with me. I mean, T. Peps, like, I mean, Pepper has told me so many stories where he's like, like, I felt like Coach D'Antonio was like talking to me when he said this, 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 this. Do you think that was a part of it, of why that visit felt like it was the one when you really came back from here? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we talk about it now in, in our program now, but it takes me back to the time playing for Coach D. That shared language as an organization, as a team, and what he shared with me when I visited about what the plan was for Michigan State football. At the time, he hadn't won the Big Ten yet. You know, right. so my, my class was coming in on the here's the dream and let's go get it. High you expectations. Know, expectations. Man. But we wanted that, you know. So <laughs> the following year, 2010, you know, he wins the Big Ten for the first time and we knew we had made the right choice. But just the way he talked to us during the visit and the way he was specific, you know, he said, hey, I I see you as a member of the Eagle Council, the Leadership Council. I see you as potentially a former captain if you put the work in. So immediately it put it in my head, okay, I want that. Like, I want to go for that, you know. And I tell everybody, like, being a captain, it's not a political race, but it is something that I wanted from day one. I wasn't going to shy away from telling people I want to be a captain here. But he put that into my head as a high school recruit, that based on what I know about you, your family, how you were raised, the work you put in, you have an opportunity to be a captain here. And that's one of the major things that sold me as well. There's a theme here because, you know, I had Lamar Woodley on who played at Michigan about a month ago, and he said the same thing. He said that the reason he went to Michigan was because of the tone at the top, the leadership, and the way Coach Carr spoke to him. Yeah. And he made him believe that he could be a captain someday. And sure enough, he was in, in the same mentality, same mindset. Is it different today? I wouldn't say it's different. It's still a people business. I think that there are a lot of additives. There is a lot of other things out there when you're thinking about NIL, personal brand, business, transfer portal. It does come off a little bit as more transactional, but at the same time, it's still about the people. It's mm-hmm. about the people at the top, you know, and mm-hmm. we have the best in Coach Tucker, and mm-hmm. then it permeates throughout the rest of the organization that when, when we sit down with a recruit and their family, we're saying, hey, here's what we see for you in your future. It's just we're able to talk about a lot of different things about their future, yeah. which is great. We're able to say here, and it's not just here's where we see you from an academic standpoint and from a football standpoint, it's here's where we see you positioning yourself in business position yourself in the community, position yourself with our network and our ecosystem. When 
these can be heavy things to talk to with a 16, 17 year old in their family, mm -hmm. but it's important to get to it early. And now with the players we have in our program, they're able to attack certain things and actually have a, more of an advantage and get to things earlier than even we did. So things we learned, we put into effect two, three, four years after Later. college. They're mm -hmm. putting it in year two in school or year mm -hmm. three in school, which is going to better them and their eventual family going forward. I want to come back to that point you just made because it's clear that these younger generations are significantly more entrepreneurial. Absolutely. Coming into college. Absolutely. I mean, these people, I can't tell you how many kids have already had a business, right? No doubt. In middle school, high no school. No doubt. And I want to come back and unpack that a little bit and talk about the impact that that has on recruitment and winning the war for talent. But I want to make sure that we dive a little bit into the four years you were here. Okay. Again, I want to make sure that I was clear when I first started this conversation. We're talking to a young man here, and I say young man because I'm like 15 years older than <laughs> D, who was the captain of the 2015 Big Ten Championship team, Rose Bowl champ, Cotton Bowl champ, was a part of the winningest senior class at Michigan State with 43 victories, helped lead MSU to four bowl games, including the 2015 college football playoff semifinal at the Cotton Bowl Classic and the 100th Rose Bowl journalism major, and master's in marketing research. What was it, as you arrived on campus in 2011, what was it that just set the tone for excellence at that level? I know it's Coach D, but what else was going on here at that time that just allowed for that to happen in four years? Well, I benefited from having great leaders in front of me. When I first got here in 2011, I had the, the pleasure of playing with Kirk Cousins and oh. being able to be with him for a year. I mean, thank God I didn't miss out on that. Just to watch him and what he did across the campus. I mean, he galvanized the campus. So it's not just about what he was able to do in our locker room. He was holding events on campus. He was holding speaking engagements. I mean, so seeing that early on, again, before in social media was as big as it is now, to be able to get a message across an entire campus as big as Michigan State is, you know, I watched that. I learned from him. I formulated a relationship even if I was a freshman and he was a senior because, again, I wanted to get to that point of being able to at least have a fraction of, of that level of influence, you know, on campus. And then it just went from there. The Benny Fowlers, Darquez Denard, Curtis uh, Drummond, yeah. uh, Max Bulla, even uh, Greg Jones who had graduated a year before. But when I came on my visit, I watched him take the Big Ten Championship trophy from 2010 onto the center court at the Breslin Center during a game and get a standing ovation. And I said, I want to do that. And I was able to do that in 2015. So, again, it's all about watching who came before you. And that's what I try to get this generation to do. It's a little different now, but yes. I'm like, you got to watch the guys that are older than you and that have already done it and learn from them. Be their protege. So, for me, again, you, you talk about coming on an official visit. I've seen – a linebacker, All-American, take this big old trophy and get a standing ovation in the breast. And I said, I'm doing that one day. Mm -hmm. And we were able to do that in 2015. Mm -hmm. I remember walking that trophy to midcourt and getting a standing O in the breast and thinking five years ago, I said, I want to do this, I was able to get it done. So watching the leaders before me and learning from them, I mean, there's so many stories about how they pushed me early on, but I took the coaching from them and applied it. And then that's what kind of sent me to the path that I ultimately was on. Yeah. I immediately thought when you started saying some of those names, I thought to comment that Benny says all the time, and he says them in our weekly huddles as a team, always be a pro. Yep. 
And, Absolutely. And he's, you know, he said from every aspect of how I approach life on campus to the locker room, to the training room, to nutrition, to mental health, just, you know, the treatment of others, how you believe people feeling. He's like, just always be a pro. No and, doubt. And he spoke about that being, even if it wasn't a stated core value at that time with your classes, he spoke about how that very much was the culture. It was about being a pro. And that came from the tone at the top with Coach D. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in many different ways, that is what we learned under Coach D was that everything you do in every aspect of being a student athlete, you have to approach it to the certain standard. So mm-hmm. when when I think back to the values that I learned from Coach D, his main one was complete your circles. That's what you always used to say, complete your circle. So it's what you start, you finish. So again, whether that's school, whether that's on the field, in the community, extracurricular activities, completing your circles was, to me, it's the same thing as, as be a pro. Mm-hmm. How you attack certain things has to be in a way that you're going to get the job done and get it finished. I'm a huge fan of our friends at Sport of Kings out in L.A. And as a listener of this show, you've got to check them out. Sport of Kings is an L.A.-based clothing brand that was started by two surfers and longtime friends. The story is incredible. They carry a wide range of premium tees, hoodies, sweats, caps, and more. And they're designed in-house, folks, made locally in Los Angeles and Orange County. Samantha and Ava and Atlas say, Dad, you're either in a blue suit and white shirt or Sport of Kings. And they're right. That's about it. Don't forget, Sport of Kings is a homegrown brand focused on quality over quantity. And if you go check them out online at S-O-K-F-Y. So basically, Sport of Kings Forever Young, S-O-K-F-Y dot com and use the promo code PODIUM. You'll receive 20% off your entire order. Again, that's SOKFY.com and use the promo code PODIUM at checkout for 20% off. And now back to the show. Looking back at those years, who was likely the toughest guy on the team at that time? Who? Shoot, there was a lot of guys. There was a lot of guys. I mean, I'd say Max Buller definitely set the tone for us. Um, and you know, you're like just, the third one to say yeah, his name. I mean, being the middle linebacker, you know, from the Buller family. Yeah, uh, I mean, they're all over this room oh, right yeah. now. I mean, every single Buller's up in here. I just I remember my pressure freshman year, and I'm not even contributing that much besides on special teams. And Max is sending me film from my practice at 11 p.m. saying. Hey, here's what I saw you did wrong. You know, here's what you can fix, all this other stuff. And I was like, hey, man, thanks. I appreciate you watching that and, and looking out for me and watching the film. He's, and, and, you know, his response was, why aren't you watching the film right now? So it's not like, oh, thanks, man. You know, no problem. I'm trying to help you out. He's like, I'm watching your tape at 11 p.m. and you are in bed. That's not going to get you to the level you want to be. So, again, other people, and we talk about this a lot now, not being offended. Are you offended? Some may have been offended by that. I love it. You know, some may have been saying, man, why, why is this guy, you know, I'm, it's at 11 o'clock. I'm, I'm chilling right now. But he said, no, if you want to be to the level that you told me, you know, on your visit that you wanted to be at, you should be watching tape right now. You should be in here with me. I'm in the film room getting better and you're at home. And so that was something, again, that triggered in my mind of, okay, this is what it takes to be an All-American, to be a captain, to lead a team, 
And I knew that I had to pick it up and apply it to my game, even at, as a second year guy. You know, mm-hmm. it it's, doesn't matter. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter because he came in with that mindset. Mm-hmm. So I knew I needed to pick it up and get it rolling. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I've heard their names so many times spoken by so many of the guys that got to witness that or play with that and have that in the locker room. Like they just, as a family, no doubt. such an impression no on doubt. everyone's life that was around them. Absolutely. Is there another memory that really sticks out from those four years under Coach D? Yeah, I mean, just all the moments of seeing him, Coach Manny, Mm. uh, just outside of the realm of football, whether it was going to Coach D's lake house or going to a movies and and seeing Coach Manny there randomly. And it's just the way they talk to you outside of the building, it's different. It has to be different, you know, but it's in that way of being second fathers to you and and mentorship and you see them as people. And so it allows us to see our coaches as human beings and, and as people and seeing them with their kids and their yeah. families. Like, you know, again, I, I was fortunate and blessed with my background, but it's important for young men specifically to see that, you mm-hmm. know, and then that's a key for me now too, you know, mm-hmm. uh, bringing my daughter around. Having my players see me as a father is important because I want them to know that that's the expectation. Like that's the standard. When you get to that point, when you're ready, the expectation the standard is you take care of your family. You, mm-hmm. you take care of your kids no matter what. And seeing that is important. So for us to see them in that light was always important. Uh, And then you get to know their families and you get close to them. And that's what makes Michigan State special Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. I'm glad that you said that. Coach Merchant was reflecting on how, I mean, there should be no on and off switch. Like who you are is who you are is who you are is who you are. So to hear you recognize that, no surprise once you had those experiences, especially with Coach Manny, I chuckle because so many of them have referenced him as well in Coach D that it just, it reinforced who they were as men in every aspect of their life. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. You graduate from Michigan State. What were you thinking heading into what was potentially going to be your first season in the NFL? Where was your mindset at? I knew it was going to be a tough road. It was a lot of unknowns. And and again, learning from the guys that that had been through it or were doing it already. They're like, it's not what you think or what you probably thought growing up. It's a true business. You're going to have to put your head down and work like never before. And there's unknown. Things may happen that you can't control, but make sure you keep your mental in check. Keep your mm-hmm. head above water. You know, mm-hmm. don't let it become too big for you or don't let it consume you. And so, you know, obviously I had aspirations of playing for 10 years, like every little kid playing any sport does. And I just went in with the mentality to work and to earn my spot. The draft process is interesting because it's a lot of unknowns. You hear from every team. Every team says they're going to draft you. They're going to pick you. Where they're going to pick you. You hear from head coaches of NFL teams, and they're like, we got love for you, and we're going to take you here. Take And then you get to the draft day, and it doesn't happen, but you still get an opportunity. And then it's, again, it's it's a lot of unknown. It's a lot of you hear this, but it might not be what you heard yesterday or even five minutes ago. And it can be very difficult to kind of navigate that mentally, but you got to have good people surrounding you that that can help you through that. Mm -hmm. Who do you think at that time was helping you manage the uncertainty and the somewhat roller coaster like experience that you had, especially you're coming off one of Michigan State's greatest seasons of all time, champ, 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 and defensive captain. Yeah. Expectations were super high. Who was your biggest advocate and in your corner at that time, helping you just manage that unpredictable experience that you had? Yeah, I mean, of course, my parents and my younger brother. But I, you know, I'd say outside of them, thinking to a Darquez Denard. Oh um, yeah, D-D. you know, yep, Tawan Jones, who who was my oh, roommate all yeah. four years here, and he had 
going to the league the previous year. Yes. Uh, and then a, a yeah, Trey Jets. Waynes, who, yeah, who was my other roommate here, who had, had been drafted the year prior to the Vikings at the time. So I would say ultimately ended up being those three along with Benny. But Quez was instrumental because I ended up in Cincinnati. So just to have a familiar face that's like family was key also. But you know, specifically Tawan and, and Trey, because they were they were in it. You know, yeah. they were they were going through it in, in different ways. Trey was a first round pick. Tawan was undrafted free agent. So yes. I had just been to Tawan's draft party the year before when the same thing happened. Thought he was gonna be drafted, didn't happen. She was able to kind of walk me through the process of like, yo man, sometimes it doesn't matter what you did at the collegiate level. Sometimes it just it it doesn't pivot your way, you know. But again, keep your head above water, keep your mental in check, you're still gonna have a chance at the end of the day. Yeah. You sign with the Bengals, then you end up going to the CFL, yep. playing for Ottawa. Yeah. When did you know that you might need to start thinking about falling back on this incredible education that you got at Michigan State? When did you know that? Yeah. You know, that, that that's always a, an important question, especially for young folks to hear. So I put it in my head. I said, if I'm not on an active NFL roster at 25, I'm done. Wow. I, I put it in my head because- I didn't want to end up in a situation where I was behind in the whatever you want to call it, business world, corporate world, whatever you want to call it. I didn't want to be behind by several years and have not gotten my foot all the way in the NFL door. It's different if, if you're rolling you yes. know, in the NFL and you can position yourself to transition well, but the bouncing around, even if I get a few years in and then to Canada and then back and all that, I think what people don't think about is if you are going through the quote-unquote regular path or traditional path is a better way to put it, traditional path of going to college, graduating, getting a job. By 21-22, you're in an entry-level position. You've had an internship from 1920. You're entry-level 20-21-22 as a graduate. You may work. You may go back to school, get a master. But even 23-24, you're rolling. Yes. So yes. if you think about a lot of these young people that are are looking to pursue that professional career, which is fantastic. We want to pursue a professional sports career. But if you keep going, once you hit 25, 26, 27, 28, some are 29, 30 still trying, you're seven, eight years behind when you're deciding to transition. As we all know, 28, 29, trying to get an internship, they're not going for you. They're going to yeah. take the young, right out of college, young professional. So in my head, I said, okay, by 25 – I'm just going to have to make the tough decision to transition. Could I have still kept going? Absolutely. My, of course. My, my players tell me now, they're like, man, you could probably still be playing now. I said, <laughs> if I really wanted to, probably, but I love what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm in my dream role now. And what ended up happening to me was I tore my hamstring two years in a row in Canada at the same time of camp on the same day doing the same drill. If that's not divine intervention, I don't know what it is. What? It was like, you, you've got to be done. It's time for you to do something else. I mean, it's the same, literally the same day of camp, the same drill, same time frame, same injury. Said, you got to be done. So I listened to that. I didn't fight it. I listened to it, and it is the best decision I could have made. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like you're just, your mindset about stuff is just insane. Wow. I'm just frozen here. I just can't <laughs> like, I just, it's never. It's, and it's like, tough, how, you know. How I the mean, hell you say this I mean, it, it, with such purpose and confidence that like, no, it's just time. Well, I wanted to, and again, I tell my players now and they, they laugh at me because they're like, they're, this is never going to happen. But I want people to forget I play football. That's my ultimate goal is to football to be the footnote in what I've done. And I love the game. 
I love the X's and O's. I'm on the sideline losing my mind during games, and I watch the tape, and, you know, I can't – obviously I can't coach, and uh, I mean, I could have I went that route, but my role now does not allow me to be a part of the X's and O's and coach and stuff like that. Of course, I'm fully into our games, but I watch every other game. I watch every NFL game. I love the game of football. I love playing the game of football. I love competition. I love to still be an athlete. You know, I go play basketball every Sunday because I love being an athlete, but at the same time, I knew there was other things I could do, and I wanted to be able to do those other things. I wanted to make an, an, an impact in other things, you know, which was yeah. important to me as well. So I was like, why can't I just do it all? You yeah. know, and that's what I talk about with my players now. We, we talk about the one track of success. For so many years, everyone says, you have to have a plan A and plan B. Plan A is the NFL. Nah. Plan B is graduating and getting a job. That is completely false. It's completely false. I say everything is on the same path of success. You can do it all. You can have it all. And you can put 100% into everything. And it means that you can now add to your resume. So I can put on, hey, I put on an NFL jersey. you know, yes. And I got to do work for Big Ten Network. And I'm now back at my alma mater. And two degrees. And, and, and. I just want to keep adding the ands. And I just felt like 25 was a good age to say, okay, let's transition. And it was tough, of course, but I just didn't want to be the one that was chasing it when it wasn't there, you know? And sometimes mm -hmm. you just got to accept, hey, it's not there. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. I love that you referenced it as your dream job. Yeah. Like the time was right and everything fell into place and now you're in your dream job. Absolutely. Earlier, you made a comment about... You know, it's just a different environment, right? Serving and leading young men while they're in college, while they're playing football, while they're chasing their own dreams. There's an environment of like business that already yeah. exists, right? Because of someone's brand and the NIL environment. And I noticed that you started a six-week program, right? With yep. the Burgess Institute. Yes. Talk about the vision you had for this six-week program that really helps elevate and sharpen their skills around entrepreneurship and when you kicked it off and, and maybe share some of the successes it's had. Yeah. So everybody in the beginning, and it's grown now, but NIL came into effect July 1 of 2021. So a little over a year ago. And everybody immediately went to, okay, endorsements, commercials, advertisements, signed to big apparel lines, all those things. And that stuff's great. It's part of it. That, that is NIL, but that's only one piece of it. Before NIL, student athletes could not own their own business. They, they mm -hmm. could not be an entrepreneur as a student athlete. Any other student on campus can, whether it's <laughs> starting a clothing line, a record label, a podcast, or even cutting hair, redesigning shoes, anything that meant you're selling a product or a service or a good to make money. Student athletes could not do that. With the change in NIL rules, that meant that student athletes could do that. So we wanted to make sure that our players knew that that was a possibility, that you could be an entrepreneur. The endorsement deals and the advertisements and social media and all that stuff, that's fantastic. We want you to get those opportunities as well. But if you're interested, and, and most of, if not all, the recruits that we have that we sit with, what do you want to do? I want to go in business. I want to own my yeah. own business. It's of just course. the first thing they think about, yep. which is, again, fantastic. We yes, got to teach you how to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so we had gotten wind of the Burgess Institute had wanted to work with football for a long time. And we got on a Zoom call with them and Coach Tucker was on there. And the way Coach Tucker worked, which I love, is he's like, why aren't things done yesterday? He wants everything done yesterday. <laughs> and so he's on that call and said, why haven't we done this yesterday? And he said, I want this up and running like yesterday. So this was February of 21. And the whole goal behind it was 
how do we get these student athletes ready for the entrepreneurial world? Yep. So we were able to put this program together. We called it an entrepreneurship training camp within about a couple of weeks and launched it in you know February, March of 21. And it was incredible success. We now have student athletes that are utilizing those opportunities to formulate their own businesses or to at least start thinking about it. And we don't have 20, 30 guys with businesses, you know, that, that, that wasn't the goal for everybody to have a business, but sure. it gets you thinking. And what's going to end up happening is as freshmen get on campus and get immersed in it early, then we will start to see those numbers grow to 10 to 15 to 20 of our guys with businesses. It's hard to shift the mindset of a junior or a senior who didn't get recruited with NIL and with these opportunities and are who are looking to transition anyway. But the freshmen, as you said, that's it. That's what they know. That's it. They, 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 they know it now. <laughs> they, they know influencer life, TikTok, Instagram, oh. all those things where there's people on here that are getting paid pretty well to do these things. That's entrepreneurship at the end of the day. So how do we teach you through our programs about the entrepreneurial mindset, content creation, social media management and engagement, those different things, so that you have those tools to at least explore it. And then the next step is you go over to the Hatch, which is the entrepreneurial incubator on campus. You take a business idea, business concept, they take it from ideation to creation. It's a fantastic opportunity that's that's too good to pass up. And we're looking forward to seeing how more of our student athletes utilize it. I I love it because you do have a few young men who do have their own businesses yep. up and running. What do you think is the next level for the current program? So you've got the program up and running. Yep. You've got a lot of the pieces in place. You're going to keep executing it, yep. right? Execute, refine, execute, refine, execute, refine. That'll create gradual improvement. Yep. But what's something that's missing from the program right now for somebody who's listening that they might listen to this, they might say, hey, I can be a part of the solution for that. So I'm looking forward to when, again, folks from the outside that are successful in in the business world or startups, things like that, to get more immersed and involved with our guys who may mm. have ideas. You know, essentially, it's venture capitalist funds was another spot as well. And it could be tough because a lot of times, and this is what's so great about Burgess, is you can try and fail many times. That doesn't always work for everybody. They're looking for what's going to work. Yep. You know, they, people don't have unlimited funds to throw at things. But mentorship standpoint, just from the standpoint of how this works, how business works for real, that's what we're looking forward to. So we have plans to kind of bring that in in the next year, starting January, where we're going to really sit down and start teaching how does a business work? Because everybody, again, they come in and say, I want to, I want my own business because that's the way to building wealth. Fantastic. Let's teach you what is, <laughs> what revenue actually is. Let's teach you about margins. Let's teach you about profit. Let's teach you about what you may have to pay out in certain aspects. Let's teach you how long it takes to get a business to a profitable level. I mean, any business you think about, mm-hmm. I mean, you think about reading Shoe Dog and, and learning from oh, Phil Knight. I mean, it was 25, 30 years of breaking even, and he's bringing in $50 million a year, but it's going right back out. Yeah, They don't understand that concept. They just think, I want to start a business so I can make money. They don't understand that what you make has got to go right back in, you know, in the beginning as you're growing it. So really starting to sit down and break down the nitty gritty. It's the same thing we did with financial literacy this summer. We started at the very beginning with what is a bank? How does a bank work? Not going straight to how are we investing in, in stocks and all this stuff. Let, let, let's start from the very beginning because, again, that's the key. We do it in football. I tell recruits oh, all the time. Oh, that's right. I, you know, I ask, so right. I ask seniors, you know, I say – do you know your playbook, like the back of your hand? I say, absolutely. I say, okay, every time camp rolls around, where do you all start? They say, at page one. 
the same thing with what we do. We got to start at page one with every aspect of life with these guys, even if they have a background in it, even if they were raised in, you know, well in it, it doesn't matter. Every year in everything we do, we got to start at step one, square one, so that they have the true understanding. Same thing we do in football. doesn't matter how long I was here under Coach Narduzzi's system. We started at day one of the playbook That's every it. year with cover four. That's it. That's it. Got to do it the same way. So many things that I, I wish we could unpack properly there, but I do want to hit on a couple of things that you mentioned. One, I'm obsessed with Coach Tucker's mindset and intensity. I love it. I mean, I've just been watching from afar since he arrived here at Michigan State, and I've just been so wildly impressed. I chuckled when you said, why didn't we have that yesterday? Yeah. Why not yesterday, <laughs> yeah. right? I say that a lot at work. I would have loved to have had that yesterday. No doubt. What are some other things that you very quickly have taken to Coach Tucker and said, hey, wherever I go in sports, business, and life, these are a couple other golden tickets that he's given me for the rest of my life? Oh, my gosh. I mean, just learning from him and on a daily basis has been phenomenal. He has this mentality of never saying no to anything, which mm-hmm. for somebody like him and in it's his tough. position, it's tough. Yeah. But he always seems to make time. For, mm-hmm. for things, you know, he creates time in the day, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know how he does it, mm-hmm. you know, but, but he does it. So mm-hmm. take the meeting, go to the event. He just, he doesn't say no, you know, it could get jumbled the schedule a lot, but I've taken that to heart for sure. And I try to follow suit with that. Anytime somebody reaches out for something or wants to do something, I always want to say yes to it. Yeah. And then again, just what he's brought into our program through his work with Trevor Moad, oh. um, who's, you know, of course, since, yeah. since passed away, but that yeah. idea and concept of neutral thinking has been phenomenal. I mean, not getting too high, not getting too low. What are the facts? What's the situation? Mm-hmm. How do you handle it? How do you move forward with mm-hmm. a sense of urgency and purpose? I just love that. I, I love that concept. I love that ideology. I love that mental makeup. And again, that's something that I've applied to my daily life. Take it home with you because it, it, it helps. It's a benefit. And then lastly, just mission critical. Big on that also. And we got a lot of that from working with the program those folks who have, you know, oh. sacrificed and laid their, their life on the line in life death situations for the country, mission critical. What is the mission? How do I get it done? Even if it's not my idea, mm-hmm. you know, even if I don't even agree with the idea, mm-hmm. how do I execute it like I came up with it, mm-hmm. like I wrote it, like it was my blueprint? Mm-hmm. Again, stuff you take home, you know, you take it home to the wife and kids. Wife says she wants to do something a certain way. Even if you don't necessarily agree with yeah. that way, you better execute it like it's it your done. idea That's it. and make sure it happens. So <laughs> it, it works, you know, and I love to be able to take things from where they say, I always say, don't take work home, oh, but I'm taking these stop. ideologies home with me and it's making me, you know, a better partner, a better father, better at home. And it's tremendous, again, just to learn from somebody like that, such a background, being an African-American head coach and mm-hmm. just the way he's a, he's a leader of people. It's a blessing to learn from every day. It really mm-hmm. is. Yeah, I love that you said that. And and I love the fact that he was such a sponsor and advocate for this entrepreneurship and innovation program that you've built. I would say, from my knowledge at the collegiate level, Division One schools, I mean, programs like this, training courses like this, these are not common still. No, not really. But I hope that they get to that point. And again, yeah. you know, I... It's funny because I'm such a competitive person mm-hmm. in everything that I do. It doesn't matter if it's on the field, playing cards, playing monopoly. It doesn't matter. Extremely competitive. Going to a zone. With player development, there's no competition bone in my body about it. Do I believe we have the best program in the country? Absolutely. Do I yes. want everybody in the country to do what we do? Also, absolutely. So I share all these ideas with other professionals across the country. 
I'm in this for the benefit and the service of the student athletes. So I say when it comes to player development, there's no competition among schools. It doesn't matter where. I want every student athlete to get these opportunities and to benefit from what these institutions provide. Because no, yeah. no matter what you think from a recruiting standpoint or you want all the best players to come to your school – Every college, for the most part, has these resources and is a pretty tremendous institution. You know, even yes. the ones that I don't particularly like, you know, based on being a Spartan. Competitively, yes. Competitively, you can't deny that they are strong institutions and that they can provide these same services and values to student athletes. So I want everybody to do this. Before we wrap up, I mean, that's a complete mindset, though, right. thing. Right. I mean, this sort of mindset of abundance that you have, this like commitment to servant leadership and pouring into others. This obsession you have, and these aren't your words, but this is how I experience you when right. we're together. It's like you're obsessed to leave everything better as you move on to the next thing. That's absolutely, you know. And again, I learned that from my dad. That's where the title came from. So I created the title. Oh, that you I have did. Now based on what my dad <laughs> taught me growing up, which was wherever you go, don't maintain, advance the status quo, move it forward. Wherever you go, no matter where you're at. We're not here to maintain. That's not what That's this family it. does. We don't maintain. We don't go and, and try to fit in and just keep things at the same level. We, we identify where we can add value and advance it forward. So that's where the program advancement piece came from because that's what I'm trying to do on every aspect of where I'm at. I want to touch different parts of the organization and try to advance it and move it forward. As we close out, what are two or three of the core values that are every bit a part of this program that everyone listening needs to know. And for future men looking at this program, they should really think about. Yeah. So the first one is, is of course, keep chopping. You know, everybody yeah. has heard that and knows that and has seen it. Keep chopping is what you apply to your life. No matter what, let's, let's go. Let's keep chopping. Doesn't matter if you're, if you're down, uh, if you're behind, if it's been a tough few days, you just keep chopping. You got to push through. You got to, you got to go forward. And that goes along, of course, with being relentless, mm -hmm. you know, which is another of the Coach Tuckerism, just being relentless in everything you do. Mm -hmm. High velocity, nonstop. That's what relentless means, with a sense of urgency and, and, and purpose. And what we took into this game, especially this past week, which was everything, again, for us, that was mission critical, which was one play at a time, you know, mm -hmm. six seconds per snap, and just keep chopping. Mm -hmm. You know, you can apply those things to everything that you're doing in life, whether it's football, whether it's sport, whether it's anything beyond that. When you really sit down and, and keep things kind of simple and break it down, it's really beneficial and impactful for you. Darian, I've so, so, so enjoyed our time together. This is definitely a conversation that I want to continue. Absolutely. It's been an absolute privilege to be able to unpack a bunch of these topics with you. And look, I mean, as, as just someone who has recently been blessed with your friendship in the last couple of years and just watch what you're doing here at Michigan State, man, I'm just so excited for you, Coach Tucker, the rest of the staff for the young men competing every single weekend, right? I think yes, there's sir. just there's just no greater battlefield. I hate to say this, I don't want Paul Davis or David Thomas or any of the other guys to get upset, <laughs> but dude, I will tell you, I say this to my 12-year-old son who's playing middle linebacker yeah. at Country Day, baby boy, there is no greater battlefield in the sports world than the football that field. That is 100% effect. Yeah. That's 100% effect. It's been a privilege. Darian Harris, 2015 captain of the Michigan State Spartans, winningest senior class with 43 victories, Big Ten Championship, Rose Bowl champion, Cotton Bowl champion, director of player relations and program advancement for Michigan State football, 
son to two incredible human beings that I look forward to saying hello to and meeting someday. Yes, sir. It's good to be with you. You as well. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today. And thanks to my guest, Darian Harris. You can follow Darian on Twitter and Instagram at dharris underscore 45.